BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. This one's a doozy. I'm Kevin. And I'm Haley. And we talk about stories of mystery, true crime, and folklore of the unusual, unsettling, and oftentimes unsavory goings-on of our world today, yesterday, and long ago. Yes, indeed. That we do. And Surprise! Welcome. We're here. We are here. It's Monday. What are we doing here? I know. It's a special, special moment. Just for funsies. Just for funsies. Really, I just haven't gotten used to not doing multiple episodes for an upcoming week. And so I'm like, eh, I've got an extra one. Should we do it? You're like, yeah. So it was really that simple. There's no uh, celebration. We're not marking any momentous occasion. 30 episodes is kind of cool, but that is kind of cool. this is just for fun. So it's true. A little extra episode for you guys this week. That is true. And to mark a special momentous occasion, we need to ask the age-old question, what are you drinking? Well, now I feel like we should have had something more fun to drink. I just got a fountain pop <laughs> from from the come and go. Well, <laughs> I feel like I marked it with something special for me. Sure. And it'll also be unique compared to, I'm pretty sure, 29 other episodes. No, you've had this on an episode before. Oh, have I? Have yes. I? Well, I am having a regular old... Limoncello flavored LaCroix. With no alcohol With no infused. alcohol in it at all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And this is my favorite flavor of LaCroix. It just keeps coming back around. Yes, it does. In fact, at work, uh, uh, our our admin, Megan, who uh, her husband, Vaughn, shared the story a couple weeks ago, mm-hmm. uh, she picked up uh, a six pack of LaCroix that even though it wasn't technically just for me, in all honesty, it was just for me. You, so you were at the heart of the decision. Yes, and buy. no one else is drinking them, so, <laughs> so they're for you. They're for me, <laughs> and they keep getting refilled. So I'm like, all right, yay, I take it. that's nice. Thanks, Megan. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's hilarious. <sighs> well, today, another another minor minor thing, but it's momentous in my opinion. So wait, you're going, you're moving too quick. What do you mean? What am I? What, uh, how? How? Let me just say. 
that I intended this to be a bonus episode, sort of. Like it kind of was halfway in my mind. Like I guess the format was in my mind of the bonus episode. Yeah. So I did not prepare a feel good fact, but fear not. Because somebody else may have. You want to tell them who? Me. You. (laughs) I did because I feel like we're not in spooky season. This isn't a a special bonus episode in in the same way. This is a regular episode that we just happened to put out on a Monday. Yeah. Which is what we did with uh, another earlier episode. Elmer. Yeah. Was that episode two? Mm -hmm. That's what we did. It It wasn't anything different. It was just an episode that we put out early. Just for fun. Yeah. So. Here well, we you want to hit us with a feel here good we are fact? Again. I have the feel good fact. Now, I don't know if this will be feel good per se. Mm. I feel like it's a feel good fact, but okay. some people might just think it's just like a fun fact. There are more trees on planet Earth than there are stars in our entire Milky Way galaxy. How do we know that? There, well, people have counted. Now, granted, they're both estimate numbers, but they are so astronomically uh, different. Like there's there's so there's such a wide gap that like even if they were off by a massive percentage, they would still be widely uh, separated. It doesn't seem possible to me. So there are uh, approximately three trillion trees on Earth. And there are approximately 800 billion stars in the Milky Way galaxy. Huh. So. Well, I just want to find the guy who counted these things. Yeah. No, <laughs> that is cool. I mean, that's I, I think, cool. If I that's think, true. I think what is feel good about that to me is that the earth is healing. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's <Yeah>. that. <laughs> What's feel good about that to me is that I love trees. You love trees. It's true. I would take the job in Australia to read emails to trees. Yeah. Very I think, excitedly. I think trees are, are wonderful. And so that makes me feel good knowing <laughs> that there's so many trees that it outnumbers stars in the Milky Way. Wow. Now, that's not stars in the whole universe, of course. but Just in our galaxy. Just in our galaxy. And that's really fun. I also want to know how they know how many stars are in the galaxy. It's like... Cruise on out and just one, two, three, four, five, like. Well, there's a, I mean, there's a method of, of capturing stars. Astronomy is not my forte. Logging so It is possible that I just am dumb on the astronomy side. Well, I don't think you're dumb. Well, thanks for coming in clutch with a feel good fact. That's right. That's right. I also feel like I need to share this comment that was on this feel good fact. It says, would you say there are tree trillion trees? Wow. <laughs> Beautiful. Tree trillion. Tree trillion. Okay. That's enough of that. <laughs> That's the feel good fact today with Thanks, Kevin. Kev. Yeah. Feel good facts with Kevin. All right. What you got for us this week, All my right. dear? I guess this day. On this. <laughs> on the, this day. On this. The Monday. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So this week we're back with another haunted spot. There are so many cool and creepy haunted spots around the world, but this one stood out to me for several reasons. This week, I'm going to tell you all about the Daring Woods, lovingly nicknamed the Screaming Woods, located near what many consider to be the most haunted village in England, known as the village of Pluckley. Okay. So what's the deal with this place? 
Is there any meat to the piles of stories of ghosts and unexplained deaths and disappearances here? Let's find out. Okay. Buckle up, Kevbot, because this one's a doozy. I knew it. I knew it would be a doozy. <laughs> you knew. I was so sure. All right. So we're going to start first with talking about the village of Pluckley. Once I get into the creepy ghost stuff, there will be some overlap in where those ghosts tend to be seen. So mm. I wanted to lay down some history and then some geography of Pluckley. So the village of Pluckley is located in the Kent countryside and is home to somewhere around 1,000 residents today. So it's pretty small. Yeah. Okay. Interestingly, in 1989, Pluckley secured the Guinness Book of World Records title for Britain's most haunted village. Wow. Mm-hmm. It's believed that there are at least a dozen active spirits in the village, but many believe there could be many, many more, upwards of 40 active spirits. Mm. There are many legends about specific ghosts, their stories, and their intentions that have stood the test of time that many people who visit claim to have seen or interacted with for themselves. But before I share about the ghosts, let's go into some background. Okay. Being concise isn't my thing. Like, we know this now. Yes. But I'm going to try and skim over it. And then we'll talk about the ghost because I know that that's what that's, Kevin's here for. That's exactly. That's I don't what know. I'm excited about. The listeners might really care about geography and history. And so I've got that for you guys. But anyway. Yeah. I'm actually going to go ahead and go take a nap for a minute. Yeah. <laughs> so the land that the village of Pluckley sits on has a history dating all the way back to 1086, according to Doomsday Records, <laughs> which the Doomsday is a super detailed record of land and settlement of land in England. Sounds way cooler than it. I mean, oh, yeah. I guess it is cool, but like Doomsday sounds like Armageddon. Armageddon, yeah. but this it's just the name of a document. Interesting. Okay. okay. So the village was owned by the Archbishop of Canterbury, who eventually signed ownership over to a Saxon knight by the name of John Follette. At the time it was established, there were less than 20 people living on the land and a whole lot of pigs. Time moved forward, and villagers in the area saw seasons of success and plenty of seasons of despair, from facing the Black Death to riots and rebellions, and eventually, in came the Daring family. The Daring family basically ran the show at Pluckley for about 500 years. Wow. Which is nuts to me. Yeah. <laughs> Looking around the village, you see that a lot of the structures have these windows with rounded tops. They're like this because during the Civil War, Lord Daring escaped enemy forces by diving headfirst through a window with a rounded top. So he had a manor built on the property huh. to kind of like commemorate that and other structures built in the village that would follow suit. That's fun. Huh. Which is, that's kind of a fun fact. That's, that basically is a feel-good fact right there. Yeah. So unfortunately, that manor burnt down in 1951, but you can still see windows of the same style in various buildings around the village. Now, the main reason that this village is so well-known around the world is obviously due to its paranormal reputation. But the village itself has many interesting historical bits as well, such as the discovery of the Daring Manuscript, which was an original text of the Shakespearean play, including a single play section of Henry IV, parts one and two, hmm. which is crazy. It was an original manuscript. That's crazy. So yeah. did he write it there? That's what I'm assuming from huh. what I read. Or maybe he didn't write it there, but he wrote it and somehow... It they called it there. the Daring Manuscript, so I don't know if it was written yeah. with intent to be given to yeah. Lord Daring or what, but huh. they found it, wow, which is really neat. Yeah. So as the village grew and thrived, homes and various other types of buildings were added, many of which still stand at least partially today. Buildings such as the Brickworks, the Mill, groups of buildings known as the Greystones, a rectory that was home to monks, an armory, 
various cottages and larger structures fill Pluckley, and many of these structures have tales of their own that we'll sort of get into as we work through the many stories and legends of the village. All right, so the ghosts. Yes. Before we talk about the ghosts, sorry, I just want to offer a blanket content warning for the ghosts. So regardless of your personal beliefs in the supernatural or ghosts or spirits, I'll be discussing various kinds of upsetting deaths, ranging from suicide to tragic accidents and murders for a majority of the rest of this episode. So if any of those things are upsetting to you, then I'd kindly invite you to maybe tune in on Thursday because mm. it's oh, there's going to be a, a lot, lot of that. Of that. Okay. Yeah. So, more, more than you could individually give content warnings on. I would literally have to give like 15 content warnings. Okay. okay. Yeah. So yeah, we're doing a blanket one for this one. So now we can talk about the ghosts. So like I said earlier, there are at least 12 documented ghosts that have been seen by multiple people many times over the course of many years. Wow. Arguably one of the most famous ghosts here is called the screaming man. Hmm. Thanks. Okay. <laughs> yes. So the screaming man has a few different origin stories, but they all boil down to be pretty similar. At some point, an unnamed man was working in the brickworks when an unfortunate accident occurred. The man either fell from a tall wall or he was crushed by a drying clay wall. <sighs> though nobody has claimed to see him, and though I couldn't find any reports of this accident outside of the screaming man legend, many visitors of the village claim to hear desperate, painful screaming coming from the brickworks occurring day and night. Ooh. It's not bound by time, so. Wow. Creepy. So we're going to talk about the miller. The mill was built sometime in the 19th century, and it stood until 1939. In 1939, lightning struck the mill, which resulted in the mill burning down until it eventually crumbled. A mm. loss like this would be significant, not only to the town at large, but especially for anyone who relied on this structure for their livelihood. Mm. Enter in the miller. Okay. After the mill finally crumbled, the miller, a man by the name of Richard Dickey Buss, Dickey was his nickname. Sure. He was distraught and hopeless over the loss of his business, and unfortunately, he completed suicide by hanging. Many visitors to Pluckley have reported seeing Richard standing in the area where the mill once stood, staring blankly at the now empty spot. Ooh. Others have sworn to see his silhouette hanging on stormy nights whenever there's lightning present. Oh, Just that, like his silhouette. Ooh. He's sometimes called the Phantom of the Pinox because he's usually seen near a building known as the Pinox. But since this is a verifiably real person, the nickname doesn't stick across the board. Oh, sure. This was like an actual guy. Wow. Ooh. Yeah. Man, that gives me... It's very cold in here, but it also... <laughs> that one is actually very spooky. And especially the visual of like... Yeah. The... You can picture that very yeah, easily. the silhouette was like... Okay. <laughs> yeah. Don't love it. Yeah. So interestingly, on Dickie Bus Road in town, so he has a road named after him, wow. there's also sightings of a man who was believed to have been a schoolmaster who also completed suicide by hanging. Hmm. There was a school headmaster in a village on the other side of the Daring Woods, the village of Smarden. So this guy was named Henry Turf, and he was a good friend of Dickie Bus. He would often come over to Pluckley from Smarden on Sundays to sit and chat with his friend, usually about the goings-on of their respective villages or broader topics such as politics. Shortly after World War I began, Henry went to Pluckley for his usual Sunday hangout with his friend, but he would never return home. Within, I believe, the following day, on the trail leading up to the mills, it was discovered that Henry had hung himself and his students were actually the ones who discovered him while they were on their way to school. 
He can be seen hanging in a frock coat and striped pants, according to those who claim to have seen him for themselves, including by a journalist who claimed to have seen Henry. He confirmed the outfit. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's a wild one. There's another ghost who's been seen on many occasions by many people. This would be the headless coachman. Oh, from what I could find, nobody really knows who he is or why he's headless or what he's doing in Pluckley. <laughs> but he shows up with no head, four black horses pulling his black carriage. He's seen in various locations around the village, but is most frequently spotted on Maltman's Hill. Hmm. Some people claim to see dim light emanating from the windows of the carriage, and this character has been known to cause drivers to almost get into accidents. Weird. Yeah. He'll like oh. either trail behind people or like come at them really fast head yeah. on in their vehicles. Yeah. Which obviously is disorienting in a lot of ways. Yeah. <laughs> of that happening. That would be very confusing. Oh my gosh. That's, it's funny. Cause it's, uh, it's basically like a one up on the headless horseman. <laughs> I know. Oh yeah. I got four horses and a carriage. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Take that guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So next we'll talk about the phantom monk. In 1863, a large white house was built. Its original purpose was as a monk house that was referred to as Rectory Cottage, but would eventually be referred to as the Greystones. Monks would come and live in the home and study and practice their religion, and this one was in connection with the St. Nicholas Church in the village. So there was one monk in particular that is believed to be responsible for most of the poltergeist activity that's been reported at the Greystones over the years, both inside and outside of the cottage. Many people believe that he was involved, perhaps romantically, with another one of the ghosts while they were both alive. That would be the Lady of Rose Court. So the Lady of Rose Court, or sometimes known as the Tudor Lady, is believed to be the ghost of a woman who found herself in a sticky romantic situation, potentially a love (laughs) triangle, involving a member of the Daring family and the monk that we just talked about. Oh, wow. Nobody quite knows why, but she completed suicide by drinking a tea that she'd made with poisonous berries that she'd gathered from the woods. Some assume that she did this after the monk had died. She has been seen wandering the grounds of the cottage, sometimes calling for her two beloved dogs. She's usually seen between 4 p.m. and 5 p.m. on the grounds, interestingly, Hmm. which leads many to assume that that may have been the time that her life ended in this world. Hmm. It's an interesting time to see a ghost. Also, just four o'clock. That's in the afternoon. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a weird time. That uh, that story that that has the kind of drama that really that's what I'm here for. Yeah, <laughs> I'm here right. for, for the the love triangle between the the wealthy, uh, what's the word, aristocrat, mm-hmm. and the the humble monk. <laughs> the humble monk. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And Encarnacion is stuck in the middle between the two. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> okay, so there's a lot to unpack with these next two ghosts. The first one, the Red Lady, not the Red Lady from Ireland that we talked about on our Leap Castle episode. Mm. So let's talk about the Red Lady. This one has many origins that we'll unpack in a second, but let's talk about the ghost first. The first recorded sighting of the Red Lady was in an article written in 1955 by Frederick Sanders, but many believe that sightings of her stretch back much further than this. So allegedly, this ghost is a woman in a red dress that's seen looking around the grounds for the grave of her child at the graveyard near St. Nicholas Church. And although it seems Mm. that she never really finds it, there is an unmarked grave that she's known to kind of like linger nearby. 
I learned that the Daring family burial vault is located on the church grounds. There are many versions of her origin story with some overlap, but the prevailing themes are that regardless of who this particular woman was, she was buried in seven lead coffins in the St. Nicholas Church graveyard, and she was buried with a red rose as well. Many believe she was a member of the Daring family and that she had passed away either during childbirth or shortly afterward. But the closest historical records that I could find involving a daring family member passing away due to childbirth or postpartum complications was one of two ladies, both named Mary. Hmm. One of these women passed away four months after giving birth to one of her sons. Interestingly, there's a painting of one of these Mary Darings in a red dress that was painted five years after she'd passed. Hmm. Okay. That's really interesting. Which is interesting. very yeah. interesting. Yeah. So the other ghost that's believed to be a member of the Daring family is the white lady. Hmm. So here's where there is the main discrepancy in the stories of the red lady and the white lady. So the white lady is supposedly the ghost of the wife of one of the main Darings who was known as the Baron of Pluckley for a long time. Oh, he kind of was like okay. head yeah. honcho guy. Yeah. So the legend states that after she had passed, her husband buried her in three lead coffins inside of an oak coffin to prevent or at least prolong her decomposition because he couldn't bear the thought of it. Oh, okay. Yes. I was, I was really confused on what the purpose was of that for the last one. When I read the seven coffins, I was like, did they dismember the body and like bury different parts in different things? And then I was like, no, it's layers. Okay. I got it. Yeah. Now it makes much more normal, but yeah, that's why he did it. And that's where the overlap Hmm. really is. It's like, okay, is this actually the same lady? Right. That maybe we're seeing her in two different outfits. Like, do ghost do mm. outfit changes. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. So <laughs> got one for spring, one for winter. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so she's been seen at St. Nicholas church, as well as in the library of the house that the Darings once lived in for the last several centuries. The home known as Surrendon Daring mostly burnt down in 1951. She's been reported as being young and very beautiful by those who have claimed to have seen her. And witnesses that have seen her range from citizens of Pluckley to outside visitors to members of the U.S. Embassy who had a base in or around Pluckley during the wars. Wow. So, like, all kinds of people have seen this apparition, whoever she is. So one famous sighting was by a group of men stationed there. They were putting on a Christmas Eve candlelight service. When her ghost appeared, it startled one of the employees in attendance so badly (laughs) that he took some shots at her with his rifle. Oh. But to no avail, obviously, because she's a ghost. Right. (laughs) Many believe that the red lady and the white lady were at the very least related. Mm -hmm. Obviously, since it's believed that they were both darings. Right. It's believed that they were either sisters or mother and daughter. Hmm. So, yeah. Wow. So it is weird because there's there's the overlap that could make sense of the way that they were buried, the way that their bodies were buried. Mm -hmm. If it was sisters, that would make sense. There was a similar method of burial. And if they were mother daughter, it also makes sense. Right. So yeah, Mm. some people think they're the same person. Some people think that they were related directly, Mm. very closely related. So, well, it's really intriguing to know that that painting exists Mm -hmm. and yeah, there's, there's, there's enough to the lore on both of them that it's kind of like pretty believable. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think the thing about, like, the variety of the types of witnesses, because I feel like if I lived in a, quote, haunted town, 
that I would be kind of like over it pretty fast. Sure. Like when people are coming in all the time wanting to like be the one to see the ghost. I feel like I would get tired of that pretty quickly. Yeah. But the fact that citizens have claimed to have seen this one. Yeah. Well, and you'd be skeptical until someone with no outside knowledge or experience. Right. Of it is like, who's that lady? Like, right. what are you talking about? What? Who's that lady? Like, yeah, that lady that's hanging out over there. No, you don't. You know the story? No. What story? All of a sudden it's like, oh, this what? is a little bit more real. Yeah. 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 Yeah, so on the topic of ghosts seen in and around the church, here's perhaps the cutest and least frightening or sad of all of the ghosts that I'll talk about for the whole episode. Okay. <laughs> the white dog. <laughs> yes. It is a white dog that people report to see on the church grounds or sitting like a very good boy or girl inside of the <laughs> church where it sweetly looks out of the doors. Witnesses of the white dog say that it is very friendly and will even let you pet it, but sometimes it will suddenly vanish mid itchins and a scratchins. <laughs> You'll be like petting it, like, oh, what a good dog. Gone. What a bad dog. <laughs> <laughs> no. The white dog is very good. Very good, but he's not supposed to go in the See, middle here. of being. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it has been known to follow people around the church grounds and into the church. And as the story goes, when one set of visitors asked about the cute dog that they'd seen only moments before, the priest that they asked told them that the dog has been seen at the church for hundreds of years. <laughs> and it's believed that the dog once belonged to a priest from the church from long ago. Oh, So there's that. He just is just bound there. You've got a little one respectable tear over do. that. That's really sweet. <laughs> it is. There's another feel good fact yeah, is the white there dog. Is. There it is. I refuse to believe that that's not the truth. There was a lot of negative statements there. <laughs> I believe that the white dog <laughs> is absolutely there. I don't refuse to believe that well, there I don't was not. no <laughs> non-dog, non-visible yep, in pretty much. the place. <laughs> I'm so glad that this is an extra episode because we're like real slop top tonight. <laughs> Okay, so next we have the Watercress Woman. According to legend, the Watercress Woman is the ghost of a traveler who used to gather watercress from an area near the Pinnock Bridge. She would set up shop near the bridge and would sell watercress. She would also sort of chill out with a glass of whiskey and her pipe. Ah, oh, my kind of person. I know. That's a good hang right there. I know. It sounds like the times were free and easy for her. Yeah. One day, she'd been drinking pretty heavily and she'd fallen asleep while smoking her pipe. So the instant that the pipe dropped from her mouth and onto the straw bale she'd been resting on, the bale and her whole body were immediately engulfed in flames. Oh, no. I know. Reported sightings of this woman go back for quite some time, and she allegedly appears as a pink, misty apparition on the bridge, sometimes with a faint smell of tobacco smoke accompanying her as she smokes her beloved pipe and stares silently at witnesses. Oh, she doesn't say anything. She's just like chill. She's just chilling. Yes, like I said, good hang, but also that's a little. That's I feel like her and the white dog and I, we just like go <laughs> hang out on the bridge and just talk about life. Yeah. I mean, she well, doesn't talk. Afterlife. She doesn't talk, though. Nobody's oh, ever true. had a conversation or heard anything from her, but they sometimes smell the smoke. Okay, that's a good point. Then you could go tell her all about your life. Mm -hmm. And she just kind of sits there quietly. Nod sagely. Yeah. Uh -huh. <laughs> Okay, so then there's the Daring Arms. There's a building in the southwest corner of the village known as the Daring Arms. 
One of the oldest buildings in the village, it was built in the 1840s and is a serious hotspot for ghostly shenanigans. Mm. While it used to serve as a hunting lodge for members of the Daring family, it has since taken on two other primary functions since then. The first is that it's been reported to be absolutely crawling with poltergeist activity. Fun. Like that's its whole function, just Very. to go spot. <laughs> Chairs will scratch and scrape along the floor on their own. Things will get pushed off of tabletops or off of the bar and smash on the ground. Footsteps can be heard banging on the floorboards of the home and so on. Hmm. It's believed that three ghosts inhabit the space because three specific specters have been seen there throughout the years. One is a woman in Tudor-style clothing, complete with a bonnet. Hmm. She's been seen staring from a chair by the window and then will suddenly vanish. There's a cavalier or like a knight that roams around the upstairs area. And there's a coachman that will stare into the fireplace. The second function of the Daring Arms is that it became a bed and breakfast. And it's ranked among the most haunted B&Bs in the whole world. Wow. Yeah. That's the kind of B&B you, well, you would never want to do in that. In theory, but, I would love right, it. Right, right. But like in reality, I would just <laughs> cry and hyperventilate. <laughs> I'd be so afraid. Yeah. I love ghosts for someone who's very afraid of ever seeing a ghost. <laughs> Uh, So another haunted building is the Black Horse, which was built as a farmhouse for the Darings that they used for several hundred years. Hmm. There's some discrepancy on when this building was actually constructed. I've seen that it was built in the 1470s. And I've seen that it's roughly 300 years old, which is not the 1470s. So I'm not sure which one of these is correct. But either way, the ghosts in this particular building have a penchant not only for smashing glasses on the pub floor, but also for taking things from visitors. <laughs> so while none of classic. the ghosts... Ha- I know. That's classic poltergeists. I know. They just break your things and take your stuff. Yeah. It's all ah, they're up PG, to- what are you doing? <laughs> I know. So while none of the ghosts have been seen, from what I can tell, they've been known to take people's clothes and watches and things like that. <laughs> they straight up, like, vanish. So Whoa. the ghosts always return the items within some time. So always? there's that. Always. Huh. From what I saw, there's... So they're the good kind of poltergeist. That they're just, just pulling pull pranks. pranks. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yep. There are a few one-off ghosts that I could mention, but I think it's high time that we talk about some of the things that have been reported about the Daring Woods Ooh. or the Screaming Woods, yeah. as many people call it. So as I kind of explained earlier, the Daring Woods are located between the villages of Pluckley and Smarden in Kent. And much like the village of Pluckley, the Daring Woods has a very creepy, very haunted reputation. Hmm. It's said that the woods earned the nickname, the Screaming Woods, due to the sounds of screaming that come from the woods all night long. Though nobody is entirely sure what exactly is responsible for the screams, legend has it that the screams are coming from the spirits of those who've gotten lost there throughout the years. Yikes. Pluckley and Smarden locals, along with outside visitors, claim to also hear the sounds of disembodied footsteps and whispers while walking through the woods during the day. And many have claimed to be followed by black shadowy figures on their hikes through the woods. Oh, that would be. So those are the daytime activities. (laughs) It's beautiful, though. It's really pretty. I've seen pictures that people have taken and they're like, this was the best hike I've ever taken. So some people don't see anything. Yeah. Apparently. But yeah, spooks. So the woods have been at the center of plenty of conversations, including paranormal enthusiasts and even scientists of various kinds. While the research on the phenomenon present in the woods is limited, 
Many scientific professionals have pushed for paranormal phenomena to be taken more seriously as like actual Mm -hmm. worthy fields of studies, citing the potential for fields of study such as physics and parapsychology as being potentially able to offer explanations of the unexplainable occurrences that take place in the Daring Woods and places like it. Yeah. So like, why don't we actually just see? I know it's weird and we're going off of unobservable, yeah. inconsistent evidence, but what if we can map it? Right. Makes me think of the uh, the woods. What is that forest in Japan? It's like a lot of like sad things happen. Mm-hmm, the there. suicide forest. I forget yeah. the actual name of it, but yeah. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's just really interesting. Yeah. I, I feel like there's a, there's a quality of necessary cynicism Sure. But I feel like you kind of need to do paranormal kind of stuff. Right. But also like it's, it's too much cynicism to just outright say, Oh no, that's not legit. Right. At least be willing to look in us. Like we've now done so many stories where it's like scientists who redacted their own names for so long because they wanted to be taken seriously in their field. Right. But spent some time doing a crazy place yeah. Researching it. Like that's, I feel like that's kind of important and people mm-hmm. need to stop being jerks about it. Well, and I also think of the diet law of pass, how that one investigator came forward and said that any mention of anything that appeared to be supernatural, like the lights in the sky and mm-hmm. things like that, that many people of all kinds reported to see had to be redacted from official documents. Right. Which Where is it's stupid. Like they refuse to allow that to be admitted because it's unknown. Right. That's because dumb. its explanation is potentially spiritual. It's potentially supernatural. Yeah. It's potentially paranormal. You know, there's so many potential yet unknown explanations. Mm-hmm. And so you're a quack if you buy into any of it. Right. Which is really unfortunate. Yes. Very, very unfortunate. Because I think of things also too, like at the Leap Castle, where they've been able to measure whenever that's the elemental is seen, mm-hmm. they've been able to measure atmospheric pressure drops. Yeah. And it's like, that if that's consistent across the board and they're able to make note of that, that's like got to mean something, right? right. Like that's right. got to mean something. So anyway, a little bit of a little bit of a lost in the weeds moment, but it is very interesting yes. to consider. Yes. So there are a few staple ghosts that have been seen in the woods over the centuries, as well as some truly eerie crimes that have allegedly taken place there. So let's first talk about Robert Dubois. Ooh. Disclaimer out of the gate, real fast. So Robert Dubois may or may not have been the name of this actual person. The name was assigned to the character in a TV adaptation, and it's Hmm. just sort of stuck over the years. But from what I've seen, his actual name isn't recorded anywhere. I'm still going to call him by that name for the sake of the story. Yeah, yeah. And there's several versions of the story and several ways that the sightings of this ghost have been shared over the years. I'm just picking the most popular versions and like sticking with it. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay. So Dubois is what is called a highwayman. Hmm. What is that? A highwayman is just a fancy pants term for a person who would use the element of surprise to rob and terrorize unsuspecting people. So he was a robber. Yeah, yeah. So on Smarden Bell Road, there's a specific spot that's been dubbed as Fright Corner. Dubois was known for hiding in the area of Fright Corner, where he would then jump out at isolated passersby. Scare the daylights out of them, effectively catching them off guard and stunning them for long enough to be able to rob them and make a getaway. 
sometimes beating or killing his victims. Oh, that's not fun. So eventually, the villagers became so sick of Dubois and the terror he had inflicted in the area that they decided to take matters into their own hands. So this is one of the parts that there's variations on, so I'm going to kind of combine two of them. Sure. So either guards or villagers were on to Dubois and his routine of hiding in the trees on Fright Corner. So one night, as he assumed his usual position near a tree, a spear was thrown at him that not only pierced clean through his body, but also pinned him fast to the tree he was hiding behind. Oh my gosh. The agonized screams pierced the dark night for several hours before he died. (sighs) The other version says that he was pierced and pinned to the tree when villagers nailed him to it, waited for his screams to die down, and then decapitated him. So either way. Wow, those are both terrible, but the second one is worse. That That's yeah, horrifying. That is nightmarish. So many credit a certain cadence of screams to Dubois, mm. and he's partially responsible for the Woods nickname. Mm. Rumor has it that not only can you hear him scream, but many people have claimed that while they were walking in or around the area of the forest, the Fright Corner area, mm-hmm. a shadowy figure will jump out. Just like jump out at them. Boogie boogie boo. Effectively scaring them senseless, which is always attributed to Dubois. Yeah. So. (laughs) Okay. So initially I laughed because the visual of it is some guy. Yeah. (laughs) Jumping out from behind the corner. Got you. Uh, And then, you know, poltergeisty borderline kind of, I mean, I guess it was still still alive, but even still like just the thought of like, gotcha. Now I'm taking your wallet. Ha ha. And running away became not as funny when he becomes a brute and physically harms and kills people. Yeah. But even still the jumping out from behind a corner, it's just so (laughs) it's such a classic, like little, little brother or, you know, (laughs) dad playing a prank on his daughter kind of a thing. That's like, it's just, just funny enough because of how just quirky that seems for, for a robber. (laughs) Right. Right. Well, and I was also like, when I was thinking about it, I was like, kind of annoying that he got to do what he did in life for Mm -hmm. like all of eternity. Like he (laughs) obviously, he was a highwayman. That's what he did. Yeah. That was like his bread and butter. He obviously enjoyed it to an extent because he kept doing it. Right. And it kept escalating. And so then he like, I mean, he kind of got what he deserved a little bit. I feel like there's like a little (laughs) overkill in the villager version of the story. But like, then he just gets to scare people for the rest of eternity. Yeah. It's like, what's the luck? Yeah, he got, yeah, he got, a, he got a, a net positive in this whole scenario. <laughs> okay, so sometime in the 18th century, a member of the military completed suicide by hanging in Parkwood. Ooh. So I haven't been able to figure out if Parkwood is in the same exact place as Daringwood or if it's considered to be separate. I'm assuming... Okay. That like they could be attached it's separate, or something. But they're attached, yeah. yeah. So interestingly, people have reported seeing a man in an old military outfit that they didn't even realize isn't alive. Oh. While it catches witnesses off guard because of his appearance, because I mean, it's not every day that you see an old timey military uniformed man walking through the woods. Yeah. Despite that, he never seems to speak or do anything alarming, but he has earned himself the nickname The Colonel. Ooh, The Colonel. Yeah. That would be very odd. Yeah. I feel like if I was just casually going for a morning stroll and a dude in very old school (laughs) military garb just walked up to me and said nothing. Yeah. I don't even know, man. Oh, I I mean, 
immediately I would be on notice. Like, uh, what's happening here? I would like to think I'd be a hero and like run the other way and like be very composed, but I would probably just like fall over once again. (laughs) Just, ah, no, please. (laughs) The Colonel, no. (laughs) Colonel, stop. So alongside those two very famous ghosts, there's the extremely unsettling stories that have taken place in the Daring Woods within the last 100 years. In 1948, on Halloween night, residents of Smarden and Pluckley had reported seeing and hearing strange sights and sounds from the woods all night. They reported seeing strange lights and odd sounds and that sort of thing. Hmm. So on the following day, 20 people were discovered in the Daring Woods deceased. 11 of the victims were children, and they were identified as residents of the Maltman Hill area. Oddly, the bodies themselves showed no signs of a struggle, no obvious wounds or injuries, Mm -hmm. and the autopsies that were performed revealed no causes of death. Oh. The investigation into this bizarre mass death ended abruptly, with all of the causes of death suddenly being labeled as carbon monoxide poisoning. This Hmm. caused rumors to fly about what really had happened to these people. Were police involved? Were there deaths at the hands of a secret society or cult? What about the weird lights? People Hmm. were not satisfied by the half-hearted explanation and speculation continued in the area for many years. One man in particular, a private investigator named Robert Collins, took it upon himself to conduct a deep dive investigation of the event. And he did, in fact, uncover the potential existence of a cult in Smarden, but tragically and suddenly passed away in a car accident in 1965 before he could report his findings. That is way too convenient for somebody. Mm -hmm. I don't like that. And then on Halloween night in 1998, exactly 50 years later, four college students ventured into the Daring Woods for some late night Halloween adventure. Residents made reports of spider webbing lights and strange figures in and around and above the woods that night. Mm. When the four students failed to return home, an investigation was launched in an attempt to find them and get them home safely. But the investigation was once again cut remarkably short and the students were never found. Oh, that's sad. Yeah. Hmm. So if you're familiar with the Screaming Woods or with Pluckley, you probably know what I'm about to say. Yes, the stories. I, don't. You don't. <laughs> I have no idea you what's coming. <laughs> you don't. If, but if you know, you know. Sure. So the stories of both locations are bizarre and creepy and fun to learn about. Yes, they come with their fair share of goosebumpery and definitely have the creep factor. But from what I read, not only were the last two stories most likely made up by some very crafty creepypasta writers, <laughs> But of the countless alleged reports of ghosts and poltergeist activities and things like that, very few of the reports could be traced or verified. Mm, Okay. Now, I'm always the first person to come out and say that I could have missed a verifying document. There's a large part of me that kind of wants to have at least some truth to these stories because Mm -hmm. like, what if, you know? Yeah, it's fun. But even though many of these stories are most likely fantastical urban legends that have gained momentum and grown in their efficacy over the centuries, it's still safe to say that even with the limited confirmed reports, something strange very well may be happening in the village of Pluckley and in the Screaming Woods. And there's reason why they both have maintained their haunted and spooky reputations for so long. Yeah. Not to be the buzzkill, but I couldn't leave the facts out for the sake of the fun of the stories. Sure. So if you find yourself unconvinced by my closing statements, you actually can go visit the trails. 
You can check out the village and the woods. You can go camping. Maybe, just maybe, you'll spot one of the famed ghosts for yourself. Hmm. And that is what I have for you for this little fun time extra episode. Yeah. Well, that that is fun. I feel like the thing about a a haunted place Mm -hmm. is that the stories don't have to be, literally zero of them have to be true in order for it to feel spooky. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And um, on the flip side, if any of them are true, which it sounds like there's several that have been verified, um, then just adds to the lore and will make it last forever, basically. Yeah. That's really, that's crazy. And really like, I feel like cool is the wrong word, but it's very like, uh, it draws you in. Yeah. It makes me go, yes, I want to go there. Right. <laughs> you know? Well, if nothing else, it's a great opportunity for tourism. Yeah. It's a great, I feel like, like stories like this about these kinds of places are just really, like you said, cool is not the right word. I want to say fun because mm-hmm. I think about how many people have been drawn to go explore for themselves. And even if they see, they don't see the watercress woman and they don't see the Tudor lady mm-hmm. and they don't see the white dog, but they freak each other out in the woods yeah, and have a lot of laughs and have a, a million stories to bring home. Like that's just as fun as a ghost story. Yeah, so, exactly. Yeah, exactly. The heart behind those kinds of stories, even, even though I have to ruin it at the end by being like, okay, <laughs> The news articles on the final two stories were super compelling. Like hmm. I was like, they look so real. So I, I could be wrong, but enough people were like, yeah, this is made up. Like mm. this is made up guys. So I had to say it. Well, even if it's made up, it has been a fun story to listen to today. Thank you for listening to the unusual unsettling and unsavory stories today. Story stories. I feel like it's plural. Um, a multitude. Yeah. I'll say, uh, I'm just going to say this for both of us. Covered the whole gamut. Yeah. A lot of unusuality, a lot of unusuality. Is that a word? Uh, it is now. Okay. Lots of unsettlement (laughs) and, uh, plenty of unsavoriety. So (laughs) if any of those three are actually words, uh, it would be a Christmas miracle. It would be a Christmas miracle. <laughs> uh, a pre-Thanksgiving miracle. Um, but yeah, I feel like they all get covered in one way or another. Yeah. And that's that's part of the fun of these uh kind of quick hits, yeah. many stories in one kind of a kind of an episode. Yeah. If you uh are not already, please make sure that you're subscribed to the podcast so you never miss an episode. And if you wouldn't mind leaving a five-star review on your favorite listening platform, that'd be great. Uh you can rate on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, on uh literally everything, I'm pretty sure. Um, and if you just can't find it, that's okay. But if you are able, please leave a five-star review. It helps other people with similar interests to find this podcast. And lastly, if you would give us a follow on social media at this one is a doozy on Instagram and TikTok, and this one's a doozy podcast on Facebook, that would be excellent. And you can also send in your requests for stories uh, to our email at this one is a doozy at gmail.com. And with that, we will see you on Thursday. 
for another doozy. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.